Peace be with you. <clears throat> Happy, Merry Christmas Eve. <laughs> we have uh, the great pleasure to have back with us Liz and Effie. Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much. What a gift, and we've missed you. Thank you very much for coming to play and worship with us tonight. Without further ado, I don't have any real announcements other than our first uh, hymn of the evening is O Come All Ye Faithful. It's on page 45 of the Lutheran Book of Worship. So let us sing as unto the Lord.
We come together this evening in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. <clears throat> Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. <clears throat> Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, 
Almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory, Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you who take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Let us pray. Oh God, you make us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that as we joyfully receive him as our Redeemer, that we may with sure confidence behold him when he comes to be our judge through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good evening. The first reading this evening is taken from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 10 through 14, can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1069. Um, the first two, the psalm also, are both messianic scripture, meaning they foretell the coming of Christ. With chapter, with Isaiah, it's necessary to know the background for it to make any sense for you. Ahaz was a king of the Israelites in Judah and was of the house of David. As king, he was effectively the house of David at that time. He was not a godly king and lacked faith in God. He was worried about surrounding kingdoms invading and destroying him and Judah. God sent Isaiah to tell Ahaz that this would not happen and not to be worried, but to have faith. But Ahaz didn't trust the message. God then spoke directly to King Ahaz in the first part of the reading. Because of his lack of faith rather than reverence, King Ahaz was worried that God would disappoint him if he asked for the sign that God had offered. So he declined. Isaiah then spoke directly to King Ahaz, who is the house of David. Isaiah chapter 7, beginning with the 10th verse. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. 
Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Now we'll read Psalm 110, verses 1 through 4, responsibly. And so you know, the Lord is God the Father. My Lord is the coming Jesus the Christ, acknowledged and foretold by King David in this messianic psalm, while David ruled about a thousand years before Christ was born. The psalm foretells the strength, purpose, and deity of Jesus who is to come. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule amidst the enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The epistle this evening is taken from the first book of John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 16, and this can be found on page 1902 in the Pew Bible. First John, chapter 4, beginning with the seventh verse. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God loves in us. God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the first chapter, verses 18 through 25. 
Glory to you, O Lord. The gospel reading tonight is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and can be found on page 1497 in your pew Bible. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Ken, you kind of took me back in the readings tonight with your giving of context. In fact, I actually wrote it into my sermon, so it's kind of funny how the Spirit moves uh, us. But back in seminary, one of my professors was, uh, in a kind way of explaining him, a real driver. And when he spoke about the importance of context when reading the Scriptures, he forced it. He wanted us to know and to be able to explain it. He would hammer us with the following, that there is the context of the immediate text, there is the context of the entire Scripture, and then there is the context of the culture. And my personality is such that I needed to put it into a, a neat and tidy kind of explanation, so I'll give that to you. It makes sense to me. All right, that it is helpful for us to understand the meaning of Scripture today if we understand 
what the historical scriptural account, the actual history, what it meant to the people of that day, or even shorter, in order for, for it, scripture, to make sense to us now, we need to know what it meant to them then, okay? However, in tonight's reading, the circumstances that face Joseph, it is a universal circumstance within humanity. What I mean by that is that we don't need a lot of cultural context to empathize with Joseph. Husbands and wives in every culture, they know how they would feel if they thought that their spouses were unfaithful. Cultural context will help us in the way which, will help us to understand when we see the way in which the culture at the time of Joseph and Mary dealt with this very situation. How did they deal with infidelity? Joseph and Mary were betrothed, and that means they were married. They were husband and wife, but they were not yet living together, and they had not yet had an intimate relationship. The truth is that Mary was about to have a baby, let that sink in for a moment. Mary was about to have a baby, and Joseph knew for a fact that he was not the father. Now, it is likely that Mary tried to explain that the baby was of the Holy Spirit that the baby was the fulfillment of the prophesied coming of the Messiah. And I can imagine that Mary insisted that she had not been unfaithful to Joseph. But such words are they're really hard to believe under the circumstances. What would you do? If you were Joseph, what, how would you respond to this news? Now, the law of Moses was fairly strict. This comes from Deuteronomy. It says, if there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and he lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in the city, and the, the evil from your midst. That's Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 23 and 24. Joseph had the right to force Mary to tell him who the father was. And he had the right to have them both stoned to death. 
But instead, we heard that her husband Joseph, being a just man and not willing to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. That's Matthew 1.19. This is the response of a man who still loves, loved his wife. But he realized that they could not be together. He would quietly dissolve the marriage, and then the two of them would simply just go their separate ways. That was his plan. Joseph is what every Christian should be. That is to say, in regards to exposing the sins of others. In his explanation of the commandment against being false witnesses, Luther says this. Luther says that not only should we avoid lying, but we should also explain things in the kindest way. In broadcasting the misdeeds of others, we bring condemnation upon ourselves. And Joseph determined to do what was right in the kindest possible way for his Mary. And I can only imagine how hard it was for him to fall asleep that night. And regardless of what we would expect, the Bible says he did indeed sleep because it tells us that he had a dream. And an angel came to him in that dream. The angel told Joseph that Mary was not crazy. She wasn't lying. The child growing within her was indeed from the Holy Spirit. He was indeed the promised one, the Messiah. The angel even told Joseph to name the child Jesus, a name that means the Lord saves. The Holy Spirit then inspired Matthew to remind his reader and his hearer tonight that this was the fulfillment of the prophecy, the prophecy of the Old Testament in tonight's reading. That all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, it says, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew 1, 23 says, When Joseph woke up, he acted on this new information. And when Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to the son, and he called his name Jesus. Now the virgin birth was a hardship on everyone. The community at large, the community would not understand that this was the working of the Holy Spirit. The community would accuse both Mary and Joseph of all kinds of sin. And even 30 years later, when Jesus, during his ministry, his opponents would try to discredit that ministry, 
by claiming that he was illegitimate. The virgin birth was a real burden. And at the same time, the virgin birth was necessary. It was necessary because the person of Christ is both God and man. Jesus Christ is true God, begotten of the Father, not made. He's also true, true man, born of the Virgin Mary. And if Jesus had been conceived in the good old-fashioned way, the normal way, he would be a mere man and nothing else. His conception by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary points to his divine father and his human mother. Jesus Christ is one person with both a divine and a human nature. This dual nature of Christ is essential for our salvation. Christ must be true man in order to take our place under the law and fulfill it perfectly. He must also be true man in order to submit the Good Friday cruelty of shame, of suffering, and of death. Christ must also be God in order to fulfill the law to perfection. He must be God so that his suffering and death would be sufficient redemption. Not just for one person, but for all of humanity. He must be God in order to overcome death and the devil for us. Jesus is the only one who is both divine and human. And therefore, he is the only one who is a Savior, our Savior. Now, since it was necessary for Christ to have God as Father and Mary as Mother, then the virgin birth is also necessary. This meant that it was necessary for Jesus and for Mary and for Joseph to bear the burden of their culture's unjust condemnation. Today's gospel shows us how God gave Joseph the strength and the courage to endure this special burden. God and his word came to Joseph through the mouth of an angel so that Joseph was now able to take up his special vocation as guardian to Jesus and as husband to Mary. Now in the creed, we confess, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And too often, we say those words kind of like in autopilot. We don't think about what these words really mean. 
But behind these words and in the cultural context at the time, what it almost divorced Mary. Both Joseph and Mary had to endure condemnation of the community. Jesus had to endure accusations that his ministry was null and void because his parentage was doubtful. And at the same time, these words are necessary for our salvation. These words tell us that Jesus is both God and man. Now listen to this as we wrap it up. Because Jesus is both God and man, when Jesus died, God died. Because Jesus is both God and man, his death paid for the sins of the entire world. Because Jesus is both God and man, he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. Because Jesus is both God and man, a human being rules both heaven and earth. Because Jesus is both God and man, his human body and blood are available on the altars everywhere at the same time for us, for us Christians to eat and to drink. The Son of God took on our human flesh so that we may be his own and live under him in his kingdom. As we read today's gospel, it is a good thing to study Joseph as an example of Christians and the struggle to protect the reputation of others. However, the more important teaching of this reading, in this reading, is that Jesus must be conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin because he is both God and man. As only the one who is 100% God and 100% man, he is the only one, the only one who is qualified to redeem us from our sins so that God can declare us righteous, our sins forgiven for his sake. This, this is the gift that Jesus offers to you now as you hear his word. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Will you please stand if you're able? Let us confess together our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed found on page four of your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary. He was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God Almighty, we come before you on this most holy night in awe at the wonder and majesty of your incarnation. The Savior of the nations has come, and with joy we greet our newborn King. Let the proclamation of his birth sound forth throughout the world, Give to your church faithful pastors to proclaim the good tidings of his birth and to give your people willing ears to hear and believe. In the birth of your Son, you have signaled the beginning of a new creation. While we still live in a world racked by the ravages of sin, we know that the final victory is yours. Watch over and keep safe emergency workers and all those whose vocations keep them from their families this evening for the well-being of our families. In the birth of your Son, you have visited and redeemed your people. Continue to visit those who are lonely, sick, recovering, or near death. Let your presence be a comfort to them and give them perseverance until that time that you grant healing, relief, deliverance, and peace. And in the birth of your Son and by his death and resurrection, 
you have reconciled the world to yourself. Keep us ever mindful that Jesus is for all people and give us opportunity to tell others the good news of his coming so that they can join in the praise of your holy name. In the birth of your eternal Son, who is of one substance with you, you visited mankind. And so your eternal Godhead is bound to the body and the blood he gives us in the sacrament of the altar. Grant faith to all who receive this gift this night, that with sins forgiven and love strengthened, they can serve their neighbor in joy. In the birth of your Son, you have called people of all times and places into the body of Christ that is the church. We give you thanks for all the believers who have gone before us, especially those who have been with us during Christmas's past and are now with you. Give us a sure confidence in your promise of resurrection and eternal life and bring us at last together with them into your presence at the full coming of your kingdom. And into your hands we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace responsibly at a distance. Waving is good. And here comes our, you may be seated, because this, I don't know how long he's going to talk. You never know. Is this on? Yes. Pastor, uh, this isn't a surprise because it's been on the back table you know, for about a week and a half, but all the surprises are inside. I'd like to give you this. Thank you. I'd shake your hand. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for all you do. Thank and, you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Susan said that I had to thank everybody that's here tonight. I would have done it anyway, but I'll give her credit. Liz, Effie, thank you very much for being here tonight, having live music. It's nice for a change. Yeah. I also would like to thank all the people that do everything here at the church, uh, the Naughty Knitters, <laughs> the, the Altar Guild, which I think Pam's in the back. So that gets her out of the house for a little while. Some <laughs> peace. <laughs> so uh, the council, like to thank them um, and just everybody that does everything because without you, it just wouldn't work. So with that, we'll, I'm done. Thank you, Randy. Yeah, you're, you're thank welcome. you. Thank you, everybody. We hold on to that for me. So we will get ready for communion here with the words of institution, and you can remain seated for that.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and ever-living God. You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer, through whom you will also make all things new in the day when he comes again to judge the world with righteousness. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks, and then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you think of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now together pray the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now, we will serve communion as, as usual, um, and I have a mask that I put on for this, and I also have uh, these nifty new little finger gloves instead of the great big glove. So um, the communion is for uh, those who confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and I just heard you all do it. So this is but a foretaste of the feast to come, but come. The table is prepared, and the ushers will bring you forward.
We got done in less than an hour. It's a Christmas miracle. I uh, listened to myself as I was proclaiming Christ to you, and wow, I said the same thing over and over and over again, didn't I? But do you remember it? It had to be that way. Fully God, fully man. And the other thing I wanted you to get is, that was really inconvenient for old Joseph and Mary. That was really hard. But it had to be that way. And they did it. And we benefited. So thank Mary. Thank Joseph. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Abba Father God, for doing what needed to be done to rescue us, to redeem us, so that we may see him one day. In Jesus' name, amen. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you, grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our closing hymn is Silent Night, Holy Night.
Let us go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.